But it is a joy to be here today. And, and well, um, if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalms 146. As I mentioned, we have three children. We've raised our three children in Africa. Two boys and, and, a, and a girl. The, our, our daughter is our youngest. Uh, they, they grew up in Africa. They now live back in the States. Our oldest, is, he and his wife are pastors in America. Our middle uh, son is a missionary that serves um, with our organization. And our, our youngest, our daughter, works for Convoy of Hope, which is a, a ministry, an outreach uh, to, to um, help around the world. And so they're all involved in ministry and all love the Lord, love missions. And uh, when, when Bailey was about two, our daughter, um, she became extremely sick. I thought pastor was going to preach my message about a five-year-old uh, similar to our two-year-old. And our little, our little girl, girl, Bailey, she got extremely sick. And at home, we didn't really know what, what to do and just kept trying to give her a little bit of medicine and, and her fever as well spiked. And she quit eating and she quit moving and playing and she was just, just wasn't really sleeping, but she was just laying there. And we couldn't really get her to, to uh, respond to us other than we could tell this is not normal and right. And so we, we prayed for her. We had this faith that we had had growing up in, in church. And we prayed for her and nothing happened. And uh, so we took her to the hospital. After we prayed, instead of her being healed right then, she went to the hospital. And the doctors began to, they admitted her Im immediately into into. Uh, ICU and immediately into put her in in a, in a room and begin to running test after test after test and could not find what was wrong with her. They said something is seriously wrong and we don't know what to do. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You live long enough and you have. We probably have all been in many situations like that. We did not know what to do. I want us to look to the Lord, to the scripture, see the word of God this morning. Psalms 146, I want to read verses 4, or excuse me, verse 5 and 6. And then we're going to look at the entire chapter, but right now just verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 in the NIV says, Blessed are those who help, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Verse 6, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the Lord remains faithful forever. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful uh, for your presence this morning, for you, you being with us and in our presence today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray you administer to every person that is here. Open our hearts to receive from you. Lord, I pray you would anoint this time of the word. Lord, help me to say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray you would open our ears to hear. Lord, not only help us to hear you from your word, but help us to become doers of your word. We thank you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we look at this wonderful passage, this is one of my favorite passages in, in the scripture, this chapter 146. It starts out with worship, and it ends with worship. Verse 1 and verse 10 begin and ends with worshiping God, praising God for who He is. 
As Christians, I believe that that is a, a wonderful thing for us to begin our day and maybe end our day with is just worshiping God and praising the Lord. As you wake up, praise the Lord. As you go to sleep, praise the Lord. As you face challenges and difficulties and success and, and triumphs, you praise the Lord. This passage begins with that and, and ends with that. But as we look at verse, uh, verse uh, 5 and 6, it reminds us that our help comes from the Lord. Our hope comes from the Lord. I'd like this to, to read the entire chapter. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life, and I will sing praises to my God as long as I live. Verse 3, do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground on that very day, and their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the causes of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless, the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. We look at this passage before we jump in and start seeing all the things that God is. He starts saying to, to us after, after the, the author here of, of this psalm says, praise the Lord, it jumps right into the reality of, of don't put your trust in men, in mortal men, in, 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 in princes. And of course, during those days, there was kingdoms and kings and princes, the rulers of, of, that, of, 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 of those people. And I would say the same goes for us today. Don't put your trust in people. People will disappoint you. People will, will, will always fall short. Don't put your trust in the government, in the prince or in king. The government, they're going to fall short because they're run by people. There are people that get into government with a good heart. But because of their limitations, they will fail you. It's just, it's just the way it is. Don't put your trust in people. The, the author of this psalm reminds us because one day when they die or when they're no longer leading or they're no longer in charge, their plans come to nothing. And as you lead and as you serve, remember that there'll be a time that that what you've done will come to nothing unless it's unless it's working for the Lord and it's eternal work and has eternal value. Your plans, your your account, your bank account. Your, your, your career, your, your, your education, all the things that we put value in will come to nothing. Only the Lord and what the Lord does has eternal value. Blessed are those whose help is, is of God. The Lord is faithful. He's a faithful helper. He walks alongside us. In this scripture, in this passage, when it says the Lord is our helper, it actually means the one who walks alongside us. Can you imagine that? You have the Lord. We have the creator of heaven and earth. The, the, the Lord walking beside us. The one that every knee is going to bow, the Bible says, and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. We have him walking alongside us if we choose to follow him. He will walk with us.
He helps us in times of trouble. He helps us when we don't know what to do. He grants us wisdom. He grants us insight. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He helps us in every aspect of our life. He is our helper. When you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, the Lord is your, our helper. As I mentioned earlier, our daughter was in the hospital. She was sick, and, and the doctors with all their degrees and with all their medical equipment and all the tests that they were running could not find what was wrong with her. And we could only pray. The church that we were part of began to pray. Our friends began to pray. Our family began to pray. We started calling everybody we, we knew who would just, please pray for Bailey. Please pray. And as we were sitting in that hospital room, praying, I felt like my prayers weren't even hitting the ceiling. Of course they were. They were going right to the Lord. But that's what I felt. I felt inside that this little girl of two years old, what's going to happen to her? I, could, I couldn't help her. See, we serve a God who's our helper. And as we begin to pray, and the doctors begin to say, we'll keep her here, we'll continue to watch her, but there's nothing more we can do for her. Within just a, a few hours from that statement, and of, of a point where we were losing hope, God blessed her and touched her. And she turned over in, her, in the bed and kind of set up, and she said, I'm hungry. She said, would somebody give me some pancakes? It wasn't even morning, but she was wanting to eat breakfast because it was morning for her. And she started eating, and they said they, they never could figure out what was wrong with her. But God helped us in a moment when we were desperate and, was, and felt helpless. The Lord was our helper. Verse 5, we see that he's also our hope. He's our faithful hope. The Lord is our hope. When we have no hope, when we've lost all hope, when we're hopeless, the Lord is our hope. He is our salvation. He comes to us in, in, in lonely times. He comes to us when we want to give up and when we want to quit and we want to stop. He comes to us when our marriage is struggling and doesn't seem to get better. He comes to us when our, our children are not serving the Lord. He comes to us when, when, when we're not knowing about our job or our career or our finances. We can put our hope in the Lord. As I was preparing this message <clears throat> this week in, in my Bible reading app, there was a passage that just hit me and I thought, I've, I've got to, to share this with, with everybody. All week I need to share this. And so I thought, well, I'm going to also share it on, on Sunday. And uh, passage is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Even if you feel hopeless, stand firm. When you feel like you don't know what to do, stand firm. Not in who you are, but in who Jesus is. He is our hope. Minnie's been reading a few books. She's one of those people that can read like three books at a time. And she talks about it all. And I'm like, I can't hardly get through one book without, without wanting to give up. And, but Mindy just reads books all the time. So I'll be watching TV or watching YouTube or reading, reading myself. And Minnie will stop me. you got to hear this. And she'll read something to me. Well, she read something to me yesterday that I thought I'd, I would really like for her to share this uh, in the service 
today. So I, I'd like Minnie to come and read. She's been reading a book from Lisa Bevere, and I don't know the title of the book. She can tell us the title of the book. But uh, when we feel hopeless, there's some things we can do. You know, earlier in the service, I felt like the Lord spoke to me, um, and there's something I'm supposed to, to share. I think that just like Pastor Randy said, he had a Sunday school teacher who um, taught him stories from the Bible and taught him to call on Jesus when he needed help. And that little boy laying so sick said, Mom, just pray. Jesus will help me. Can you imagine today where we'd be sitting if there hadn't been a Sunday school teacher who taught him? All you have to do is pray. Little guy of five years old, and I believe that there are people in this room right now, and God's calling you to do something that you don't maybe feel equipped to do, and you maybe don't feel like you are qualified to do, and I want to challenge you, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Say yes to whatever God's calling you to do. He will not fail. He will be strong in you and through you, and he will use you in a powerful way. And because of your yes, somebody like Randy's going to be standing on a stage someday saying, you know, I had a Sunday school teacher, or I had a kid's church worker, or I had a greeter who just loved on me and welcomed me every single time I went to church. And it's going to make a difference in somebody's life. So say yes. Be brave. Be courageous. Say yes. And as you do, you're going to need to uh, to be reminded of this. You're going to have to have some tenacity. This is a paradoxical commandment. And it says people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you'll win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but only follow top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What spent you years to build may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but they may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. People will disappoint you. Love them anyway. The name of the book is called Without Rival. It's by Lisa Bevere. Thank you, Mindy. Sometimes you get to that point where you're hopeless and you can't just do it anyway. When you can do it, you get yourself up and you do it anyway. But when you can't, you've reached that point where you, you just can't do it anyway. You just can't keep going. The Lord's our hope. The Lord can help us. Put, put your trust and your hope in Him. And finally, we see in verse 7. That he's our provider. He upholds the causes of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those that are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. The Lord is our provider. He provides for us. When we can't provide for ourselves, the Lord provides for us. 
This year has been, this past year, 2022, I believe was the most difficult year in, in our life. My father, uh, uh, my mom and my dad, they'd been married 60 years in September, on September 2nd. On September 7th, my father passed away just a few days after celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. His mother was still alive. She turned 100 this year, this past year, and we celebrated her 100th birthday at the beginning of October, just a few weeks after my father passed away. She was fine the day we celebrated her 100th birthday. And just within like four days later, she got sick, and within 12 days, she passed away. My, un- my, my brother, oldest brother, um, his, his, he had four children, one of his sons, who grew up in the church, had, had a, a full-ride scholarship to, to college to play American football, had a bright future, got hurt. and At the college, they put him on some pain medicine to help him uh, deal with the pain, and I think they wanted him to continue to play through the pain, and he got addicted to drugs, and pretty soon he, he was not going to class, and he lost his scholarship, came home, and just totally turned his life um, over to drugs and alcohol. He has two little children. He was put in jail, and then his children were taken away from his wife, and uh, their family has been destroyed. And, it, and I've seen this little boy grow up. He was the five-year-old in church, and now he's choosing to do other things. He, he's, he, when he's sober and when he's not messed up on drugs, he's wanting to be delivered. He doesn't want to live that life, but yet... The temptation and, the, and, and that, that hold on him, he just goes back to it. That was part of my, tw- I can tell you several more things, but that was my 2022. And I want to tell you, the Lord was faithful through all of it. Doesn't mean everything always works out perfectly, but the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. I'm still praying for my nephew, his name is Britton. I would a- ask you, please pray for Britton and his wife, his name Winter. Pray for them. They need the Lord to, to, to deliver them. From this, this bondage. And I believe the Lord is able. And I'm going to continue to pray for Brenton. But it was a difficult year. But I can stand here today. And even though I just went through. The most difficult year of my life. The Lord is faithful. When Mindy and I first became missionaries. We came to Zambia to serve. And lived in Zambia. And uh, being there nine weeks after nine weeks. We were so excited. We just thought we were going to change that whole country. We were going to be like Billy Graham and have huge crusades and people would know who we are. Uh, Sometimes some of our dreams are foolishness. Sometimes they are not. But we had went to church on on a Sunday morning in September, on September 9th, 2001. And uh, we met in a tent and the, the, the crowd was, the tent was full. The crowd, we probably had about 4,000 people there. It had a dirt floor and that tent had been there for several weeks. And so that, the ground in that tent, the dirt had turned to powder, to dust. And as this music would play, people would stand and dance like we did today. But there was 4,000 people inside this tent dancing in dust. And the dust just flew up into the air. And then during the preaching, the dust started settling down into onto all of us and everywhere there was moisture around your mouth or in your nose your eyes was all you know you could see the dust there and uh, you'd smile and there'd be dust in your teeth it was it was awesome people got saved that day and choose to follow Jesus and men choose to make Jesus their Lord and Savior the, the altar's time they came and repented of of their sin and and and, fo- and chose to follow God 
make Jesus the Lord of their life. After the, after the service was over, it was a long five-hour service. And after it was over, I did not want it to end. So the, the, we, we were talking to the pastor, and he said, Let, we normally don't have a night service, an evening service, but let's have an evening service tonight. So they announced it, and, and, uh, and uh, we were going to have another service. Well, I, I took the family back to the house, the three kids and Mindy. We, we did not have water. Uh, the water would turn off um, at, at about... Um, nine o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night and not turn back on until after the kids would go to school. So I knew they needed to get cleaned up before they went to bed that night or, or they would be dirty at school. And so they stayed home and I went by myself and the place was packed again. After it was over, the Lord met, met us and at, at the altar again. It was a wonderful time and I was still so excited. I, I, I was not done I wanted to do more, so I found all the Bible college students that were there that I could see, and there's about three or four of them, and I said, I'll give you all a ride home. And they said, oh, there's more of us, and they end up being about 11 of them, and I just started taking them to different places and dropping them off at their house uh, their, and where they stayed in Lusaka, Zambia, and, and then I drove home. And by this time, it was probably about 11 o'clock at night, and it was late, and uh, and I was just thinking about the day and just praising the Lord and wasn't really paying attention to what I was doing. And finally got to our, my house, and there we lived behind a gated, a gated uh, home. And I started beeping the horn for the security guard to open the gate, and he didn't open the gate. I kept beeping the horn, and I turned in to face the, the gate and blinked the lights, and... Uh, he didn't open the gate. Pretty soon a, a car started coming down the road and I, I felt in my heart I need to back up and under my spirit I need to back up and drive around the block. And I thought, no, I'm just being, I'm being a, 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 a fearful American. Everything's going to be okay. I think that was the Holy Spirit telling me I need to back up and go around. But I was in my pride. I'm going to just stay right here. I'm not going to let fear uh, control me. And the car drove in behind me and blocked me in. I couldn't back up because the car I couldn't go forward because the gate. Five men jumped out. Three of them had guns. And uh, one was an AK-47 and two were 9mm pistols. And they pointed them at me on the other side of the, of the car. And the AK-47 right at my face. And they began to yell at me in English telling me to open the door. And, and so I did in that moment. I'm a very emotional person, get excited and, and get emotional easily. I can cry easily and I can yell and scream and holler when I'm watching a sporting event. I mean, I'm really emotional. But at that moment, God helped me and it just gave me peace. I, I should have been worried, and, but God gave me this peace, the peace that we sing about, that peace that passes all understanding. I calmly unlocked the door and they got in. The two that didn't have guns got in their car and drove off. The three that had guns got in the car with me. One on the passenger side, one on the driver's side, and the guy with the AK-47 got in the back seat. And with the guns pointed at my head, they begin to say, Where, you know, give us your, your, your money. We're stealing this car, and we're taking you with it. And so, so I, I um, started trying to move, maneuver, and they thought, no, you're... You know, they heard me talk. They said, you're American. You have a gun. Give us your gun. I said, I don't have a gun. I said, there's a Bible on the dashboard. I'm a pastor. I'm a missionary. I don't have a gun. And so they looked at the Bible and threw it back on the dashboard. And I guess that's, that was okay. It confirmed that I didn't have a gun. And so they drove. They started driving off. They said, if this car breaks or stops and, and quits, we're going to shoot and kill you. 
So disarm the anti-theft device. And it was not armed. I said, you can, you can drive. It's going to be okay. It, it'll, it'll run. Of course, I was also saying, Lord, please help this car to run. I don't want to really die. So as we were driving down that road, leaving the house, um, the, the man with, that was driving put his gun down to the side or in his, in his pocket. I don't know what he, what he did, but the gun was away. But the other two guns were just right pressed right against my temple and right against the back of my head. And uh, they said, where's your cell phone? I said, well, it's setting under where I'm setting. And so the man on the, on the passenger side told me to get it. But in all the chaos, the guy in the back seat didn't hear him say that. So I reached to get the cell phone. He thought I was reaching for something. He hit me in the back of the head with that AK-47. My head flew forward, hit the rearview mirror. Because I was sitting in the middle on the, it wasn't even a seat. It was the console. And uh, he said, keep your hands above your, above your lap and don't move. So I thought, I'm going to follow what he said. Again, this it's dark. It's late at night. The guy that told me to get the, 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 the phone was looking, making sure there was no police. And then a few moments later, he sees that I don't have a phone. He said, where's your phone? I want you to get your phone. So, again, I reach for the phone. And again, bam, in the back of the head, I get hit. Finally, the, I, I t they keep going back and forth like this. I said, I can't get the phone. The guy in the back keeps hitting me. I can't do it. So they talked a little bit. I got the phone. They'd already taken my wallet my money. I had a, with me about 80,000 kwacha, uh, which sounds maybe like a lot, but it was only about $30 worth of, of U.S. dollars worth of money. And... Uh, we, we started driving through the city. By this time, we'd been going for about four or five minutes, and they began to calm down. They realized there was no police following them. They were okay. And we drove the city of Lusaka for about 40 minutes, just driving different directions, different ways, and finally we started heading west out of, out of the city. And the city started getting further and further away. But they, they knew that, that uh, I was a missionary, and they started making fun of me and mocking me for, you know, you glad you came to Zambia now to talk about God? And you know, they'd laugh. And they said, turn on the radio. We want to hear some Christian music. Which they did not want to hear Christian music. They wanted to make fun of me. And I turned on the, the radio. And there was on a Christian station. Music began to play. And we were just driving down the road. And finally, one of the men told me. He said, I used to go to church when I was a kid. I said, what church did you go to? And he told me, I said, oh, you, you should go back to that church. You should go back next week and go to church. And the guy in the back got mad at me for saying that, told me to be quiet, but not in a nice way. I was quiet a little bit, and then this song just kept playing over and over and over and over. But it was in the language of either Nyanja or Bimba. I couldn't understand what, what was being said, but it just kept playing over and over and over. Finally, I asked him, I said, what is this song Singing, what, are they, what is it saying? And they, they all listen and then they begin to laugh. They said, this song is saying God is faithful and he'll take care of you. And I begin to smile. And the, dri the, the driver noticed that I was smiling. He said, what are you smiling for? I said, because this song is true. He said, how is this song true? We've stole your car or we're still in your car. We stole your money. We we how, is, how is God taking care of you? I said, because my wife and children are not with me. God is taking care of me. He kind of just shook his head like, like you fool. Like I was such a fool to him. But at, when I heard that song, the words of the song that God is faithful, and it just kept playing, I began to think that song is on the radio tonight in this car for me. I am hearing what God is telling me, that he is faithful and he'll take care of me. As we continued to drive, I did not know if I was gonna, they were going to 
kill me or if I was going to be alive. So I, I just thought I'd ask. I said, how, you're taking my car. How am I supposed to get home? And I thought, I was hoping they'd say, well, we're going to just get push, push you out of the car and you can walk. That's what I was hoping they'd say. But the driver said, oh, you can just get a taxi or a minibus. I said, how can I get a taxi or a minibus? You stole all my money. And the driver thought for a moment, and he told the other guy to give me some of my money back. <laughs> now, that's how wonderful people in Zambia are, that, that thieves are generous. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I didn't find any of it funny at the time. But he hand, the guy got out and handed me about 10,000 kwacha back of that 30 they took from me. And I'm holding this kwacha in my hand and hearing this song play. I'm faithful and I'll take care of you. God is faithful. And I'm holding on to this money. And God is speaking to me as clear as can be. I'm taking care of you. They might think they are in control. It might seem like these men are in control, but I am in control. We drove a little bit further, went off the main road, and uh, about a couple minutes down the road, there was nobody around. We were w way, way far from the city, and they told me to get out of the car. I got out of the car, and uh, I had told them earlier that I would be praying for them, and uh, they, they laughed. They said, well, we're still in your car now. We're leaving you here. Are you going to pray for us now? They said, here, you can take whatever you want in the car. And I got my Bible that I had, had preached from that day that Mindy had given to, to me as a, as a wedding present. I got the Bible. I got a few of the car papers, my wallet that they threw on the ground. I got that with the credit cards. But, of course, they had that cash. And I had that little bit of money. And they drove off. I never saw them again. I don't know what happened to the car. But as they were walking off, and I, I was like, I can't believe this just happened to me. And I started walking back to the road. I was thanking God at the same time of being confused. Like, I'm, th I'm thankful I'm alive. But did this really just happen to me? And in a daze, I was walking and the Lord said, you said you were going to pray for him. Are you going to pray for him? So I, of course, was praying for them on the way. Got to the main road. Everybody on, that, on the road, it was, mainly it was walking. There was not much car traffic. They were walking. Everybody I met that night on that Sunday night was either drunk or couldn't speak English, and I couldn't get any help. And, and I finally found a little, a little um, a guest house and went in there and asked for help. And they, they said, oh, we'd like to help you, but our, our phone quit working. We do, our phone doesn't work. So I, again, I thought, man, I just can't get a break here, but yet I'm alive. So I was still happy through all this, which was so weird. Finally, a man walking through the lobby said, I heard what just happened to you. Did, when did that happen? I, I said, just now. He's like, now, now, or now? I said, now, now. He said, oh, here, you need your phone, my phone, and you can call your wife. And I remember even thinking, I'm so glad my wife doesn't know what's going on. She's not worried. And so I picked up the phone, and I said, Mindy, I'm okay, but, and she just started crying. Which I didn't, I didn't know why, and she said, uh, where are you? And we, we found out where I was, and with some other missionaries, they came and collected me that night at that guest house, at that little hotel, and we, we, the, drive, the, the missionary had been there for many years, he said, we've got to go to the, uh, uh, um, to, the, to the police station right now and report this. So I did not feel like going to the police at that time, but that's where we went. We went to the police station, and there I was making a report, and I was telling them about the car and about the people, and they just stopped, and they said, it was a white Toyota Corolla, yes. Five 
men with two pistols and an and a AK-47. I was like, yes. I was like, how do the police know this is happening? Are they involved? <laughs> but they said, no, no. You, there are five people that were carjacked by this group of, they called them bandits, a group of bandits tonight. There were five. You were the fifth one. The fourth one they got was 40 minutes before you, and they shot and killed him. And they said, we brought his body in over here. It was under a tarp. They said, the morgue is going to come pick it up sometime between now and the morning. But there was a body sitting over there with those same guns that were pointed at me had shot and killed somebody 40 minutes earlier. I told, I gave them the report, went back home there. There was pastors there and, and neighbors, and they were hugging us and praying for us, telling us, please don't go back to America. They thought we were going to leave. And I was like, no, man, I just, I did something. I just survived. I'm not leaving. I, I, I would have left 20 minutes ago, but right now I'm ready to stay. I was feeling all wonderful. And one of our missionary colleagues said, Lance, something's not right with you. You need to see somebody because uh, you're acting all happy. I'm like, I just survived. Of course I'm happy. Like, that, that's not right. So they left. The, everybody was gone. We went to bed. I fell asleep like that. But I woke up the next morning at 4 in the morning, and I was scared to death. That peace that I had in the moment, that joy that I had afterward was gone. And all I could think of is, is what if this happens again? Because they had told me they'd been watching us, and that we, they knew we were American, and that we have insurance, and they would, we'd get another car, and they would know it, and they would come again. And I remember thinking, what if my children are with me next time? What if Mindy's with me next time? And I began to become full of fear. That was September the 9th, 2011. The next day, while I was sitting here kind of in a daze, somebody came to the, our gate, knocked on our gate. We, the guards came and said, somebody wants to see you. I thought it maybe was somebody who wanted to help us, the police or somebody, but it was a lawyer. And he handed me an envelope. He said, you've just been served. I said, excuse me, he said, you're being sued by, uh, it was a government official for several thousand dollars. I didn't know why. We went, uh, just to let you know, we went into a lawsuit and went, it eventually got dropped. But that day, I didn't know that the lawsuit was going to be dropped. I, I was being sued by a government official. September 10th, September the 11th, 2001, was the day that the, the, the terrorists hit New York and the, 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 the buildings come crashing down and we had went to a missionary's house, and we were kind of having a barbecue, and I don't remember what's going on, our braai, and I didn't really know what was going on that day. I was really just kind of just struggling, and then missionary came down the road. They lived just up the street and said, you need to come quick. We have a TV. Somebody's attacking America, and there we went into their house and sat down, and both towers had been hit, but they hadn't fallen yet. And as I was sitting there, the towers fell one at a time. Chaos was happening in, 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 in our, my home country, and yet I felt all alone. And I felt like with everything going on in the world, nobody knows me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's praying for my family and for me. And I need God to help me, but I am forgotten in a forgotten place. And as I was sitting there having a pity party and to myself and thinking I was such a victim and how horrible my life was, there were people dying. I had just died in, the, in, the, in this terrorist attack. And God spoke to my heart, sitting there. And he reminded me of this song that was being played in that car that night. I am faithful and I'll take care of you. Even if we don't feel 
like God is our helper. And even if we don't realize that God is our only hope. And even at times when we're needing, we need God to help us and provide for us, we feel like we have no provider. I want to tell you something this morning. God is faithful, and he'll take care of you. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He knows the battles that you face, the struggles that you face, and he loves you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. 